Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer. The COVID-19 pandemic has virtually ignited innovation in healthcare, especially in diagnostics. There have been significant advancements and diagnostics is emerging as a critical piece of the overall healthcare jigsaw. As per a WHO study, diagnostics comprise less than 5% of hospital costs, but their findings influence 60% to 70% of healthcare decision making. India has one of the lowest spends on diagnostics in the world. Blame it on lack of affordability, accessibility and awareness, especially in rural areas where the majority of Indians reside. How can innovations in diagnostics transform healthcare in India? All Indians matter. We have on the show Gautam Vankhede, Director of Medical Affairs MyLab, an Indian biotech firm focused on developing and commercializing diagnostic solutions and automation in the molecular, serology and immunology streams with applications in clinical diagnostics, drug discovery, biomedical research, agri-genomics and animal and food safety. Gautam has more than 15 years of experience in transfusion medicine and has worked with the National Health Service in the UK, Fortis Escorts Hospital as medical advisor at Biorad Laboratories and also as healthcare practice manager at Gerson Limon Group. Today we'll talk about why India desperately needs innovative, accessible diagnostic solutions. Welcome to the show, Gautam. Thanks for having me here, Ashraf. Gautam, lack of awareness severely inhibits the penetration of quality diagnostics, especially in rural India. What is the impact of this on overall health levels in India? So basically, there's a massive impact on cost implications. See, a lot of diseases uh, can be prevented if they are detected at the right time. So let's take a simple example, say, of a, of a heart attack. If a person has has been you know, screened earlier for things like high blood pressure, diabetes, lipid, high lipid content in the blood, there's a big chance that a, a, a catastrophic event like a cardiac heart attack can be prevented. So investing on carrying out screening tests can be a major impact. Okay, But apart from that, the disease itself, a lot of diseases, say uh, a cancer, right? You, you keep on testing the people at the right time. The earlier you detect a disease, the better it is to manage it. So overall, screening, availability of diagnostics, especially in the rural area, has massive cost implications, not only in terms of uh, purely in terms of money, even in terms of other resources spent. A lot of times people might not have to even travel to a tertiary center. Even a primary or a secondary center can take care of uh, the basic diseases. Right. And how can this change? I'm talking here about the lack of awareness. How can that change? Well, lack of awareness, I think you you nailed it over there. I think the messaging has to be very good. People have to be kept on uh, uh, being told again and again, visit a center. Probably the insurance companies can come into play. Probably uh, uh, regulations can be changed so that uh, uh, diagnostic tests can be covered by, by, by insurance agencies, which are not covered right now. But I think at the end of it, availability of quality diagnostics, especially in the rural areas, is a very, very important step. And this is where, you know, we have been thinking a lot, apart from the COVID pandemic. We, for example, recently, if you would would have heard, just two or three days back, my lab acquired a company by the name of Swayam Diagnostics, or got majority stake in it, which specializes in point-of-care diagnostics. Tests which can be done in interiors and rural areas. So people don't have to travel or spend a lot of resources in getting these tests. So I think awareness, messaging, but at the end of the day, availability of the tests can change. Now that's a critical point actually, Gautam. But speaking of COVID specifically, what was observed on the ground in terms of diagnosing the disease? 
and what was needed in terms of solutions when the pandemic began. So COVID has been a massive eye-opener for, for India, for the rest of the world. See, the thing is that we cannot take a reactive step. We cannot wait for a pandemic to hit the country and then say, okay, we should have X number of labs or Y number of tests. I think it was, you know, the lack of availability of quality manufacturers and the lack of the presence of large number of quality labs apart from the, you know, the tier one cities. That's what really, you know, made uh, in the initial part a problem area. So what, what is needed seriously is people who are future ready, people who are ready to invest in the future. For example, when we started talking about molecular diagnostics, when we started talking about PCR-based diagnosis, way back in 2015, 2016, people would, I would not use the word laugh at us, but they would simply tell us, oh, wait, there's time for this, right? And in four years' time, by 2020, everyone now knows that PCR, real-time PCR, is the gold standard for diagnostics. So basically, what what needs to be done in terms of solution is that you don't have to wait for a pandemic. You have to be prepared. You have to invest in technologies. You have to invest in, in labs so that no, no matter what is going to hit us, you never know what, what is going to happen two or three years down the line. I hope nothing happens, but we should be prepared. Yeah, I think that, that that's a very critical point, Gautam. In fact, uh, that's one of the key lessons, the lack of preparation that the pandemic has taught us. Let's talk a little bit about costs. The World Health Organization, better known as WHO, estimates that at least 80% of premature heart disease, strokes and diabetes and 40% of cancer could be prevented through early diagnosis and also, of course, lifestyle changes. This means that India needs comprehensive awareness and screening programs to prevent the huge cost of these diseases, which is estimated today at more than 1.5% of GDP. What role can diagnostics play here? Okay, so, well, the simple answer, one word answer to that question is yes, we need to spend more. I mean, as a government, we need to spend more, but why only as a government? Even as individuals, we need to spend more. We need to ensure that, you know, as with awareness, as with the word, the message spreads, we have to ensure a comprehensive screening program is there, but people have to actually go and get themselves tested. Uh, for example, you know, we are working on POC devices, which are known as point of care devices, to ensure that, you know, in India, where 60-70% of the people live in the rural areas, they have access to those devices. So, well, as I was telling you, what role can diagnostics pay over here is making the right tests available. But this then has to be backed by the government in terms of spending a, a decent pound in GDP. And apart from the government, even the individuals will have to spend something from, from uh, 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 to prevent these uh, diseases. Right. And the cost, of course, is way less uh, at the diagnostic stage than at the treatment stage, as you said earlier. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly, the, the difference is unbelievable. It's maybe in one in hundred or one in thousand times. Gautam, the pandemic has also taught us that the focus has to shift from treatment to early diagnosis to prevent rather than cause. Something that you also just mentioned in the previous uh, answer. But what are the hurdles to this in India? Okay, so I think one thing that we observed over the last 8, 10, 15 years since we've been in the industry or on the healthcare side is that India has, has developed a model which is too dependent on the Western model. Okay, so I'll try to explain this. <clears throat> now, in the Western world, uh, number one, the, the a large majority of the population lives in the urban areas. Number two, they have very good logistics, very good infrastructure to travel for travel of people as well as blood samples. So what happens is they have huge machines which have high costs. So they're designed in a way 
wherein only the big cities or most of the big cities have huge machines, whereas India is totally different. The hurdles for India uh, in preventive healthcare are different. We can rely a little bit on the Western model, but we also have to develop our own model wherein we ensure that these diagnostic tests, these screening preventive tests are offered even at a, you know, a primary or a secondary level. The, the over-dependency on, on the Western healthcare has ensured or the Western model of diagnostics has, has ensured that we invest on huge machines, we invest a lot uh, on the infrastructure, but they are restricted to the, to the Delhis, the Bombays and the Bangalores. We have really have to think about rural areas and that's uh, that's what uh, the way we need to change when we talk about diagnostics. Absolutely. So seen in that context, what are some of the innovations that we're seeing in India in the diagnostic space? Oh, that's a very, very exciting uh, space that we have seen in India. I mean, uh, over the last uh, two years, but more than that, I mean, yes, COVID has uh, has kind of uh, fastened the process. But over the last five, seven, ten years, there's been a lot of interaction between the academia and the industry. Um, we are a software hub. So, you know, a lot of artificial intelligence, machine vision, machine learning, uh, or some technologies like the PCR are, are, are already uh, developed in India. So there's a lot of excitement which is coming around with the use of technology. And a lot of Indians are now actually coming back from the West. They're getting the culture. They're also getting, the, they're also getting that uh, the technology know-how, which is further being refined and being developed. So I think it's, it's a very exciting stage as far as you know, the Indian diagnostic space is concerned right now. I'm glad you man- mentioned artificial intelligence and machine learning because that's uh, that's going to be my next question. Uh, can you tell us about the application of such cutting-edge technology uh, in diagnostics and in layman's terms? Yeah, okay. So purely in terms of, you know, how does it help? So a technology, say an artificial intelligence, something which reads the result and gives you the answer. So a machine learning, which kind of looks at a particular value and then interprets it, you know. So what, what it does, there are two aspects. Number one, it increases the quality. So it reduces the, the number of false positives and false negatives. So for a layman, that's the first thing. But I think second and a very important aspect that machine or technology brings is the reduction on the dependency on skilled manpower. You cannot have a doctor or a trained technician in every, you know, interior, every rural area, every part of the world, right? At some stage, we have to rely on good technology, on good machines, which will be able to do the test, not only at the level that a human being does, probably even at a better level. So that's what I would say for layman is that this is where, uh, you know, application of cutting edge technology uh, comes into play in diagnostics. Now, again, I'm glad you mentioned this point because it is believed that as of today, when it comes to diagnostics, the quality is a serious issue. I mean, we've had so many reports of false positives or false negatives, sub-quality delivery, and so on. So what's your view on that whole thing? So quality should be an issue. It should be a major issue. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we should be able to track and, you know, do an analysis of every wrong report that, which is issued. I mean, there should be not be a single false error. I mean, uh, a false result. See, at the end of the day, quality comes with a particular type of culture. You cannot ask a lab or a, or a hospital, which was just doing basic job, to all of a sudden one day get up and transform its, in, itself into a world-class diagnostic center or healthcare center. It comes with regular training. It comes with awareness. So I'll give you the example of uh, COVID, okay, the COVID labs. So a very important thing which was done by ICMR was that any lab which wants to test COVID 
uh, wants to start the COVID PCR testing has to undergo an NABL accreditation. What, what is an NABL accreditation? It's a national accreditation board for laboratories. That kind of ensures that the lab is following each and every process, right from recruiting staff, training staff, sample collection, biomedical waste, reporting errors, everything is documented. There is a plan to improve if there's a problem. And only such labs were getting permission from the ICMR to start the COVID testing. Now, the second question, uh, question answer to this question would be, which also means that there was a big hurdle. But I would say no, more than 2,000, nearly 3,000 labs have come up in the last one, one and a half years. They've all met the right quality standards. So as I was telling you, it has to be a culture, number one, which will come only from within the, from the, uh, the medical fraternity and the people. But also the government has to have some kind of regulation which says that, no, you have to meet these standards, only then the quality will improve. So it's, it's a combination of both these factors and we've seen it works. Right. I want to talk a little bit about uh, policy now. Because on the implementation of GST has led to imported devices being cheaper by 11%. In addition, there is no import duty on most medical devices, including blood analyzers. Also, there is a very high infrastructure cost involved in manufacturing such diagnostic solutions in India. All of this makes it extremely difficult for Indian manufacturers to compete with cheap imports. So how can the government support the Indian diagnostics industry better? Because because surely local manufacturing is the key to lower costs, isn't it? Definitely. Um, there's no doubt about it. Uh, local manufacturing is not only key to lower costs, it's also a key to uh, a bigger you know, uh, uh, manpower in the industry, more employment and a lot of other factors that come along with it. So we have to understand that a lot of time we are facing competition, if I might, if might, if I might use the word, it's from mass producers companies who are based in certain part of the world who are making millions of tests a particular day. So definitely with the, with the volume, they do come with a, in with a cost advantage. From a government point of view, yes, I will not deny the fact that this is a bit of a problem, but government is also making its own efforts. For example, they've kind of made this made the make in India uh, you know, uh, uh, step mandatory in a lot of government procurements. So uh, we, we now have tenders where preference is given to companies are meeting standards but which are also make in India. See at the end of the day Indian manufacturers have to be seen, have to believe themselves to be global suppliers right. So we should not believe that just because a foreign made kit is coming to India we have lost a lot of ground. It should be the other way around. We should be confident enough to say okay fine we will manufacture at a quality at a cost which is equally good and we would rather go to the other parts of the world and we would become that you know, global supplier. So mass production will help us. Uh, you know, government is making some changes in the policies to ensure that Indian kits are being procured um, most of the times. We have to see ourselves as a global supplier. Plus, the industry also has to come in with some kind of investments. So they have to invest on the infrastructure so that we also make quality kits, which are then accepted across the world. So we are a part of the, you know, the world now. We cannot see India in silo. We cannot only see that okay, we're only going to use our own tests because at the end of the day, we also want an opportunity to go and give our tests to other parts of the world. So it's a give and take. And I think uh, we've shown that we can definitely uh, you know, supply to the world. Is there also a talent shortage? I would say no to that answer. We have great amount of people, you know, biotechnicians, biomedical engineers, doctors, what needs to be done is they need to be refined. A lot of them are trained, but they are not trained from an industry or a manufacturing point of view. 
they're not trained to meet the the US FDA standards or the European CE standards. So we have what we what I would call as the right base with us or the right group of people, a bit of handholding, a bit of training. Uh, you know, we we can be as good as as the best in the world. So I would not say that we have talent shortage. Gautam, in the context of the last two answers, can the Indian diagnostics industry become what the IT industry became for the world, namely the go-to place to uh, go-to place for solutions for the entire world? Well, I think that's a very uh, important question you you've raised. So I think COVID has kind of given us a glimpse. The world has started looking to us up to us as a manufacturer. And I'm saying it from my personal experience. The number of mails that I get from, you know, uh, you know, countries, you know, starting from, from US, you know, from Euros to Europe to Tanzania, Africa, Asia, the number of mails that I, that I get, my team, uh, my colleagues get, and they're asking us to be suppliers. So yes, we, we, are seeing, we are already seeing the shoots of that happening. Having said that, unlike a lot of other industries, the medical industry, the diagnostics industry is extremely regulated. We have to ensure that we meet those standards. Um, you know, be it the US FDA, EU, you know, European Union norms, the WHO pre-qualifications, we have to ensure that we meet those standards. So it's not going to be as easy as just opening up a laptop and then you know start doing processing. Uh, it's a little more complicated than that, but we are on the way of being a global supplier by diagnostics as well. So today the industry is estimated at $9 billion roughly. Where do you see it five years from now? Well, I think, uh, um, see, I'll, I'll take the example of a, of a mobile phone. Uh, maybe 15, 20 years back, a 5,000 or 8,000 rupees mobile phone was considered a high-end luxury phone. Today, someone who's even spending 20,000, uh, people are spending 20,000, 30,000 30, rupees. And they are the most basic phones. So, yes, the diagnostic industry is also going to grow at a very high pace. Uh, the people should understand that spending on healthcare the government is obviously uh, doing a little bit, but they can do more. But spending on healthcare prevention, spending on diagnostics, spending to ensure that you know that you have a particular disease or you don't have a particular disease carries an equally important uh, you know, uh, part in their life as is having a good mobile phone. You know, So they have to spend at the end of the day. The messaging has to go out. Probably, you know, we might need NGOs. We might need some movie stars, cricketers, you know, uh, people who have an influence. They have to come and tell people that keep on testing, keep on finding, trying to find out if we have a problem. Because we are more for, for more often than not, we do have a solution. But we only have a solution if we know we have a problem. And that's where diagnostics will come into play. So, yes, diagnostics has a huge potential. I mean, uh, people talk about 10, 15 CAGR, I would say even 30-40% CAGR is achievable in diagnostics. But again, people have to spend, we have to make the kits available in at every nook and corner of the country for that. Gautam, your company developed a self-testing uh, kit for COVID, which is interesting. Uh, tell us about it and how does it work? Okay, so, well, uh, it was the need of the hour, number one. Um, we were trying to follow a lot of... Uh, uh, countries in the West, uh, UK, we took it as, as an example, which actually opened its entire schooling system uh, sometime, I think, around December or January based on self-test. So the idea was that children will be given tests at home. They were probably tested twice a week. If they're negative, they would be coming back to school. And that's when we thought that, you know, it's important that the, uh, the people should be able to you know, test for themselves. Having said that, now, going back to a few questions, uh, you know, we discussed about artificial intelligence and, and technology. 
we also had to ensure that we had the right technology. We made use of the right artificial intelligence uh, uh, software to ensure that when people are doing the tests at home, they are able to interpret it properly. Uh, even a false positive or either a false negative has a lot of implications, emotional, financial. You know, a false positive, a person might have to sit at home for 15 days, which also means loss of income. You know, so we have to think of a lot about that. Obviously, we also had to ensure that the data was good. There was no data breach. So we had to ensure that when we worked with ICMR and developed the, the software, uh, it worked seamlessly. Every step happened automatically. The, the result interpretation happened automatically. There were no, uh, you know, uh, even small pitfalls. So it was, it took us three or four months. And obviously, ICMR also supported us in that uh, they, they, they were open to the idea of allowing self-testing. Since then, I think two or three other companies have now also been uh, given permission. But I think it was an important thing considering the need of the hour. You know, in May, June, when the country was going through such a massive uh, disastrous, you know, uh, surge, second surge at that point of time, a lot of people were not even able to leave their homes uh, to carry out the test. So at that point of time, something which could be ordered, you could do the test and get an assurance for yourself that you are okay or your friends are okay or, or other way around that, you know, someone is positive. So that really added a second layer of, uh, uh, you know, confidence in the people. And that was the idea behind the coming up with this test. How does it work? I mean, suppose if I get a kit like that, what do you, how, what exactly happens? So so basically, uh, what we've done over here is uh, it, it requires a nasal sample. So when I say a nasal sample, it's different from a nasopharyngeal sample. A nasopharyngeal sample is something which you take from the back of the throat. So you need to go much deeper. A nasal sample, because the sensitivity of the kit is higher, so a nasal sample means you just have to go about two centimeters inside your nostril, pick up that uh, sample, put it into uh, what we call as a, as a buffer. So that kind of breaks down, kills the uh, active viruses, and then just put a drop or two, uh, two drops of that onto the strip, the rapid antigen strip. After that, wait for 20 minutes, click a photo. Uh, there's also a software which goes along with it. So enter your details, click a photo. The software automatically tells you whether you are positive or negative. It also uploads the data directly to the ICMR database. So we ensure that the data does not go anywhere apart from ICMR. Even we in my lab do not have access to that data. So that, that's how it works. It's a very simple two, three minute procedure. The test time is about 15 minutes overall. Right. So Gautam, here's a question I ask all my guests at the end of the conversation. Why do you do this work? Okay, so, well, I would say, see anyone in the healthcare field. I mean, you, you walk into a hospital, the director, the medical superintendent of the hospital, the, the, the most basic worker, the ward boy, the housekeeping staff, or, or for that matter, in, in, in the industry, we talk about the, the R&D staff, staff which is, in, is involved in the logistics, everyone, the sales team. I think the idea is to make a difference, right? And when you actually help even one person save a life, I think you have done more than your job. So making a difference, somehow helping someone somewhere, is what drives us. Uh, you know, my lab has, has, a, has had a long journey. We, we started the company about seven years back. First three, four years, everyone was just, you know, ensuring that the company survived. It was not as, as if, you know, people knew the company, people knew us. But the idea was to just keep on trying. At some stage, we knew at the back of our head that we are going to make a difference someday. And I'm glad we could. Gautam, thanks so much for coming on the show and telling us about a crucial part of healthcare. One that isn't always talked about, but which is critical to India. Thanks for having me, Ashraf. And again, I'd like to thank all of you on behalf of my lab. Again, the message over here is diagnostics is not to scare you. Diagnostic testing is here to prevent diseases. And 
uh, help yourself and your loved ones in long time. So be positive as well as you go for testing. Thank you all for listening. Please visit allindiansmatter.in that's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-M-A-T-T-E-R.in for more columns and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashraf Engineer that's A-S-H-R-A-F-E-N-G-I-N-W-E-R and All Indians Count that's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-C-O-U-N-T. Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. Email me at editor at allindiansmatter.in. Catch you again soon. <laughs>